And his reaction was, again, cautious. He kept saying, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And I was like, I have never had a positive pregnancy test. I am sure. <laughs> and then he, and then he, so it was exciting. And then he prayed right away, you know, for, for the baby. And it was just, it was, it was sweet. Danielle, welcome to the Birth Journeys podcast. It is my belief that our birth journey has a lasting impact that goes far beyond delivery. It is my hope that through these stories, you would find the insight, tools, and the courage to go on and have your own positive and empowering birth journey. Just as a reminder, any information you hear on this podcast is meant to inform and encourage you on your birth journey and not intended to replace advice from your medical professional. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Birth Journeys podcast. Today we have Stephanie on and she's going to be sharing her stories with us. Hi Stephanie, thanks for coming on. Why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself? Hi, thank you, Danielle. Um, I am 32 years old. I've been married nine and a half years. Um, I have lived in Washington State my whole life. I grew up on the southwest side, and I now live on the northeast side of the state. I am a stay-at-home mom. I have three boys. They are ages four, almost three, and six months. Um, I am more of a quiet person. My personality, I don't like to make waves. A few things I like to do. I enjoy talking to my mom and sisters on the phone. I enjoy yard work. And um, I enjoy numbers and budgeting. Someday hope to um, do, like, office work, uh, bills and such for the company. Hmm. Cool. So where do you like to say that your birth journey begins? Um, I've always wanted to be a mom. I am the third oldest um, of 11 children. Uh, so I always helped out with the younger kids. And I distinctly remember going and playing outside one day at the swing set, probably when I was about 10 years old and just dreaming of having 12 kids. Mm-hmm. So I've always wanted to be a mom. Mm-hmm. So where did your, um, trying to conceive journey start? So my husband and I got married in October of 2013. Um, We really only wanted to wait six months, but we didn't really prevent. Um, So I knew by six months that something was up. Um, In fact, my first full cycle after I got married was like a couple days longer than my normal. And I took a test, but we just talked it up to stress from the wedding and moving. Um, And I tracked my cycles at that time by taking my temperature in the morning. So I knew around the time I ovulated. And so, yeah, by six months, I knew we should have been pregnant. Um, So one of the first things I did was I quit my job. I was thinking the stress from that job was preventing me um, from being able to conceive. And my husband also didn't want me working Sundays. We wanted to go to church together, so that's one of the reasons I quit. But, but, yeah, that was the first thing I did was quit my job, hoping I would get pregnant. But um, after a year, we still did not have a baby. So 
So I was kind of getting bored, ended up subbing for the local school district, and after a few months landed a full-time secretary job. Um, around our two-year mark of marriage, I think it was around our two-year mark, um, my husband got tested because someone someone told us to start with the male because male infertility is less expensive and less complex. Hmm. Um, but I, I remember the day my husband came home and said, the doctor called, I'm fine. Um, so it just hit me that it was, it was on me. Something was wrong with me. Um, we didn't pursue it that much. I think some of it was insurance. Insurance doesn't typically cover fertility tests, some fertility testing or, or treatment. And we were just busy and enjoying life too. Um, in those four and a half years before I conceived, I think I may have had maybe two or three, I think they call them chemical pregnancies, where it's basically like your cycle, but they were really early um, miscarriage. Mm-hmm. But I think I may have, a, have had a couple of those, but I had stopped testing because it was just hard mm-hmm. um, to get my hopes up. Um, so, so during that four and a half years, were you like, were there times where you were like actively trying or were you still just kind of like in that mode of waiting to see like what happens? Um, I don't know how to describe this because it wasn't, it wasn't always like, okay, I'm, I'm ovulating. Let's, let's try. Um, so we weren't preventing um, and we weren't necessarily like purposely trying to be intimate at certain times. Mm-hmm. But I knew, I knew when I was ovulating and I knew, you know, that the times where I, we should have gotten pregnant. Okay. And we still weren't getting pregnant. Um, we did, I, we did try, I did try chiropractic work because that's fairly inexpensive. Um, we tested for food allergies. This was before we tested my husband because I was thinking um, maybe he had a little bit of celiac or something that was affecting him. Um, the timeline of things is a little bit blurred now. I know I went to a doctor, an OB doctor. This might have been around the three, three and a half year mark. Um, and right away he was wanting to do an IUI. He didn't say anything about doing any testing. And I was a little confused about that. Um, and I think I left the appointment and they just said, call me when your when your period comes and we can get, you know, the IUI scheduled or something along those lines. Well, I called the office and told them when my cycle came and they were all confused. Like they did not understand why I was calling and telling them that, you know, my period came. Um, but then it wasn't long after that, that we got a letter in the mail saying, that, that that office was closing, so I guess that kind of makes sense as to why, you know, they were confused. Hmm. Um, so, trying to think. So during that time, did did you feel like, I mean, obviously you had a desire, you know, you wanted kids, but did you feel like during that time you had like that, I know some women just like have that intense like desire and that intense longing to be pregnant and it kind of turns them 
into a crazy person a little bit. Like, did you deal with any of that or were you just kind of chill about the whole thing, like in the waiting season? I think, I think I was more chill. Um, some of it is, it could be my personality. Like if I don't know exactly how to go about something, it takes me forever to get going. Um, and so like, as far as getting testing, get going, you know, I didn't like do it right away. And then, and then my husband and I, we saw our friends, you know, with their kids and we saw how hard it was at times. And, and we, there were times we really enjoyed, um, you know, just being us, we were able to travel. We traveled a lot, did road trips, weekend road trips. Um, so we, we enjoyed it. It was just probably more that month, every month, you know, you get your hopes up. You're like, is it this month? Am I pregnant? And then, you know, your cycle comes. Nope. Mm. And then it's almost like as soon as my cycle came, I had the answer. And then I was a little bit more at peace and yep, I'm, in, I'm happy with life again. Um, but yeah, it was, it was hard. I'm one that I probably tend to wear my emotions on my sleeve. And so I can't hide, you know, when I'm struggling. But, but yeah, um, it was hard, but at the same time, enjoyed time with my husband. Mm-hmm. So did you end up, after that whole thing with that doctor, um, what happened next? Did you per- pursue testing with another doctor, or what ended up happening? So after that... Um, I did start taking three to four times the recommended dose of a B multivitamin. Um, that was one of the things someone had mentioned to me. So I had done, started doing that. And then I also loosely followed the THM diet, the Trim Healthy Mama diet. Um, so I started doing that for a couple months. And in that time period, um, both my husband and I hit some low points. Um, some things happened at his, at his work that were just really hard to deal with. We were trying to buy some land. Um, we both were working full time. So it was just really busy, stressful. Um, and then I think the February before I got pregnant, um, some friends of ours were expecting. And just the way I found out was hard. My husband had been told the night before so we were um, staying at my sister's visiting. My husband had been told the night before the next night. Um, the husband turned to me and said, hey, did Jared tell you the news? Jared is my husband. And I knew right then that they were expecting and it was like everyone else in the room knew except me. Hmm. And I felt very much so put on the spot. Um, I just remember I don't remember how I reacted I don't think I said anything I I got up and went to the room we were staying in and I think my husband was he might have been a little bit embarrassed about my reaction because he's like why can't you be happy for them he came in the room and like why can't you you know say congratulations or you know something to that effect and and that just made it harder Hmm. Um, I do remember I cried the whole night long I had never done that you know, in this journey, cried almost the whole night. The next day we went to church and 
And I was literally pounding the dash with my hands, kicking the door, just crying on the way to church. The only way I can describe it is grief. Hmm. Like it just really, really hit me that, you know, why can't I, you know, be pregnant? Why is it so hard and awkward? You know, when people tell me they're exciting news and, you know, I just, (laughs) it was, it was, that was the low point in February. Yeah. Um, so that was, I think, 2018. So then after that, I went to another OB. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this again. Um, I went in there. They did, it, uh, uh, I guess, maybe their normal exam for when you first go in. And I told them re- the reason I was coming in. And they kind of said me said the same thing. Let us know when your period comes, and we'll start doing some testing. Um, so that might have been early May, late April, early May. Um, So then my husband and I went camping Memorial Day weekend. And I was, it wasn't until I was packing that I was like, I'm late. But I was so busy packing that I didn't, um, so this kind of goes into how we found out then that we were pregnant with our first. But anyway, I was packing and I realized, okay, my cycle hasn't come, I might have to um, pack some pads. We're camping, and I just remember I kept going to the bathroom so many times, just you know, and and looking for signs, you know, my cycle coming, and they just didn't come. Some things felt a little different in my breath. Um, and my husband and I, again, we just kind of said we didn't want to get our whole stuff. I think that was a lot of it. Is we're like, you know what? It's been very stressful with things going on in our life, it's probably that. That's probably why I'm late. Um, so we're driving home um, from camping on Memorial Day, and I remember just laying the seat back and feeling really gross, just not very good. We got home. My husband had to leave um, to go fill in some perk holes on, the land that we, on land that we didn't end up buying, and I had one pregnancy test. And I went and took the test, and it was afternoon, and there were two lines right away, um, mm. just dark, dark lines, dollar store test, yeah. dark lines right away. <laughs> and I, I was, I wasn't surprised, but at the same time, just seeing those two lines, um, I don't know, it was surreal. Yeah. So yeah. it just kind of motivated me. I cleaned up the house real quick, put all the camping gear away. Waited for my husband to come home and kind of told him, go shower and <laughs> hurried him off, you know, to shower and then came back and I had made a little paper that said something about, can't wait to meet you, daddy, or something. Mm-hmm. And his reaction was, again, cautious. He kept saying, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> and I was like, I have never had a positive pregnancy test. I am sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, and then he, so it was exciting, and then he prayed right away, you know, for for the baby, and it was just, it was it was sweet. Aww. Wow, I can't imagine what that must feel like for women that you know in your shoes that go through those years of infertility to have that positive test. Like, I just can't even imagine. <laughs> like, uh, the longest I tried was seven months, and that felt like an eternity. <laughs> like, you know, it felt like 
so I, I mean, I don't understand the grief and the disappointment each month as in depth, obviously, as like someone like you, but knowing that like pain and that, that yearning and, you know, that wanting, and then when it finally happens, it's like the most insane, joyous moment. <laughs> so I can't imagine yeah, for yeah, that long of wait, a waiting time to like finally have it be your turn is just, wow. <laughs> yeah (laughs) amazing so um how like how was that with like your family and friends after so long like did you guys announce right away or did you wait or what did that look like um with the first we waited um well something happened early on in pregnancy I was dealing with a lot of um rapid heart rate and I had called the OB's office and said, I'm having really fast heart palpitations. Had it all day one day. And they recommended I go to the ER. Well, I was emotionally distraught. I ended up calling my mom. I think that was seven weeks. And I was trying to, like, talk to her about it without telling her I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. But I ended up telling her because she's like, well, why are you so nervous about it? Why are you so upset? You know, why are you so upset about your heart rate being so funny and going to the ER or or whatever and like because I'm pregnant (laughs) that was over that was over the phone I hadn't intended it to be like that but the rest of the family we did um one of my sister's birthdays was coming up that was around my 12 week mark 11 12 week mark and I had ended up telling my sister my older sister and so we planned to do a little onesie and say best aunt ever for my sister who was turning I think she was turning 13 at the time so it was neat um my mom my mom myself and my sister that knew we were all watching our other sisters and seeing how they reacted <laughs> so they, they were all pretty excited and crying and it was cool hmm. and then my in-laws my my in-laws they're not really um ones to be super expressive but they were very excited they were they were happy for us. Oh, that must have been like surprising for everybody else too. <laughs> yeah. After yeah. many years. Yeah. Cool. So how was that pregnancy? What kind of care did you choose? So I ended up starting out with just going to this OB's office that I had been to, just been to. Um I didn't necessarily like the doctor, but I was like, well, I'm here. I'll stay with them for now. Um, so I guess I'll just go through, like, the timeline and the things that I did that work. Okay. Um, they did a dating ultrasound. That was one of the first appointments. I don't necessarily know why they did, other than they wanted to know my due date, which my cycles were most fairly regular so I knew you know I knew about the time I was due they did the dating ultrasound um that that first trimester um I was very tired felt gross um I came very close to throwing up one time but I didn't ran to the back bathroom and it came out the backside, so (laughs) I didn't throw up that was only once. Um, 
So second trimester, I think I started to feel somewhat better by 16, 17 weeks. At least I had more energy. I didn't feel so tired. And then I did transfer to a midwife. Um, I think it was around 20 weeks, 20, 25 weeks, somewhere in there. Um, one of the reasons I did is because of my older sister. Her first birth was hospital birth, very hard. Um, and she has, has done a lot of, you know, research and, and, and loves the birth world herself. So she kind of influenced my decision to go to a midwife. Um, was, and she was had, it a home birth midwife or a midwife in the hospital or a birth center? Um, this was a home birth midwife, kind of a group of midwives working together. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't really do a whole lot of research. I just looked online, found one, and called them, and and then I got in with them. Um, so, and I really liked the care. It seemed a lot more personal. Um, they really encouraged the protein intake. Um, and, you know, just taking care of myself and my, my diet. Um, around 28 weeks, I had a lot of Braxton Hicks. Um, it, it got to the point where I was working and they were coming in regular intervals and it made me nervous and I had went to lay down in the break room. And that still wasn't helping. They were still, you know, coming at regular uh, intervals. And so I believe I was texting the midwives and they said, well, drink more water and rest. So I did end up going home early that day. I drank more water, rested, and that helped. So I, I don't know. I think it was just dehydration. Mm. Um, toward the end of that pregnancy, I had high blood pressure. Um, I think some of it was I was working full-time, and it was getting to be November, December, so holidays. Um, we lived six hours away from family, so we were traveling a lot to see family. So I think there was like six to eight weeks there where we were not home. We were working every day, doing something on the weekend. So I think that could have been why my blood pressure was high. Um, with that pregnancy, I did not do the gestational diabetes test, but I did test positive for group B stress around 36 weeks. And I could say with this pregnancy, it was almost, um, so you go from infertility to being pregnant. It was hard to love being pregnant. I, I mean, I wanted to be pregnant, but it was hard to love it because I think I had indigestion or something the whole pregnancy. So I just didn't really feel the best. Hmm. Um, and with this one, looking back, I probably ate too much fast food. I didn't pack, you know, when when we'd be traveling, I'd be like, okay, well, just eat on the road. Sitting a lot, I had a secretary job. So sitting a lot, ate a lot of, a lot more fast food than um, with my other ones. But so I don't know if that contributed to my indigestion. I'm sure it did. Yeah. So then, yeah, that was the pregnancy. So when did you end up going into labor? <clears throat> um, so 
my last day of work was 38 weeks. Um, I had my 39-week appointment. I'm thinking that was on a Wednesday. No, that was on a Thursday. So I had my 39-week appointment. And the midwife said the baby was breech, which I didn't necessarily believe the baby was breech. But she sent me um, for another ultrasound to make sure the baby was head down. Um, so I, I remember that appointment and wondering why they had to check. Like, I was thinking they could just put the ultrasound on, check, oh, yep, head down, you know, and be done. But I think she still was looking at things and taking pictures for, I'd say, at least 15 minutes, maybe longer. I remember being a little bit antsy, like, okay, yep, baby's head down, can we go? Mm -hmm. Um, and later that night after the ultrasound, my water started leaking. Um, and I texted the midwives and I said, I think my water's leaking. And of course, being a first time mom, they were probably, you know, wondering, well, is it your water leaking or are you actually peeing a little bit? And, and my, like, labor was not starting. Um, I was not getting any contractions, but my water was still leaking. So they had me come in on a Saturday, and they kind of um, said, okay, we need to get labor started if this is your water leaking. Um, they sent me home with a, a little strip test to check to see if it was my water. Um, and they also sent me home with, I think it was two doses of a castor oil drink to take to get labor to start. So, went home and did that test, and for sure it was my water that was leaking. And so they said, okay, you need to, either today or tomorrow, drink the castor oil drink. And I think one of the reasons why they wanted me to do that is because I was groupie strep positive. Hmm. So I think, you know, they, there could be infection or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember Saturday night, so that night, I went to a Bible study. I didn't want to take the pastor oil drink then. The next day, I decided to stay home, um, from church, and I took the castor oil drink. I remember watching church, drinking the castor oil, and I think I might have just been leaning over my, my pregnancy ball, and I started getting contractions. And I feel, well, I feel like they were pretty hard right away. Um, so that was, I finished the drink probably by 10, 45, 11. My husband got home around, I'd say around 1.15. And within 10 minutes of him being there, my water completely broke. Like it gushed. And it was very warm. Um, I was surprised at how warm it was and how much. Yeah, that was around 1.15. Um, my sister was planning to come and be there to help me out. So I called her. I feel like I called her around 4 p.m. She came by 6. And um, she was watching me labor, and she might have been timing the contractions herself. And so she was like, you probably should call the midwives. So I called them. And um, I 
can't remember what they asked. They might have asked if I was having pressure, and I don't think I was. Well, I wasn't. Um, but they ended up coming. It was probably around 7, 8 o'clock that they got there. And they didn't check me right away. Um, they're just watching me labor. And at some point, I threw up. Um, and so I think all of us were thinking, oh, we're getting into transition. Um, but it still, it just went on. Um, I'm pretty sure the contractions were every few minutes. Very, just, It was hard. Um, so eventually they did check me around midnight, and the midwife said, well, you're four, at four centimeters. Um, this is the, the time you would go into a hospital. So I said, okay, we're going to leave. Um, you try to get some rest. So they left probably about midnight, Sunday night. And I think one of the midwives had <laughs> went driving out before that trying to find something to help with the pain for me. So I took something for the pain. And then I remember I got contractions all night long. I'd kind of lay down and, and wake up when a contraction came. But by not 9 o'clock or so the next morning, so Monday morning, I was not having any contractions at all. They had completely stopped hmm. and again so then they wanted me to take the second fast oil drink now, I don't know why I didn't go out and go for a walk or something like that in that time I don't know I think it was just I was I was kind of disheartened and frustrated because it wasn't how I thought labor was going to go well then I started I took the drink, castor oil drink, and then I think, I believe that contraction started up again. And I, I had the chiropractor's office call and say, hey, you have an appointment at 11. And I was like, oh, well, I told them, no, I, I'm in labor. <laughs> that wasn't going to go in. I Hindsight, I should have went in. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really laboring that hard. It hadn't picked up that much at that point. I think Monday has kind of a blur. Again, contractions picked up. They were hard. They were having me try different positions. I think I went in the pool um, a few times. Um, I think some of me was so worried about certain things that maybe I couldn't relax. I remember being concerned about pooping in the pool, being concerned about, you know, taking so much of the midwife's time. Mm. So... It was around 11, Monday night, that the noises I was making was starting to change. The midwife, I remember the midwife telling my sister, yep, she's getting close. And I remember my sister asking, how do you know? And she said, it's because of the sound. I was starting to grunt at the very end of my contraction. Um, so I was getting kind of excited. Um thinking, oh, I'm going to have this baby soon. Um, but again, I don't know. I think I had a lip that was in the way. So they kept having me try all, all different positions, standing, squatting. They had me try to labor on my side with a peanut ball, and I couldn't do that. Um, and even one of the midwives was, you know, she had her hands up in there. It was trying to stretch me. 
Um, so yeah, I think they had me start pushing probably around midnight. And it was five or six that they started talking about going to the hospital. Because hmm. I was starting to get really swollen, um, tired. I was droopy strep positive. My water had broken. You know, Sunday, it was getting into Tuesday morning. Um, so yeah, we decided to go to the hospital. I hadn't even packed any hospital bag. I remember that. <laughs> um, so we're scrambling to pack. Again, I think my uh, contractions were starting to peter out again. I believe by the time we got to the hospital, they were every nine minutes. Um, and yeah, his head was right there. So I could, mm. you know, reach down and touch his head. So I'm going to the hospital with this baby, like right there. Well, that was an un uncomfortable ride. Then waddle, waddle into the hospital. And I think in some ways that at that point I breathed a sigh of relief getting there. Mm. Um, and they, you know, get IVs in, monitors on, get everything set up. And the doctor, I remember the doctor doing some stretching herself. Um, and then we were doing pushing on my back, my legs up, counting, and I could start to feel, finally feel progress with pushing at that point. Um, of course, they were always adjusting the monitors. At one point, they couldn't find the baby's heartbeat, which I wasn't necessarily concerned. I was like, he's far enough down in the canal. I think pubic bone's covering it. And I was starting to feel that um, burning, singing, like ring of fire. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, because they couldn't find the heartbeat, the doctor was like, I'm going to have to give you an episiotomy to get this baby out right now. Um, in hindsight, I should have said, can you give me one more contraction and I will hmm. give it my all, get him out. Um, but no, she ended up giving me an episiotomy, second three episiotomy. Um, he came out right away, both my husband and I, like, it's a boy. Um. We didn't know with him. And then my husband said the name. Um, and I was like, yep, that's his name. I remember him laying on my chest. He had his eyes open right away. He didn't really cry. Um, he barely whimpered. But they put him on my chest. And I don't think they really did anything with him. That's one thing I appreciated about um, that is, they put him on my chest right away, and I don't think they did anything really with him. And he was on my chest for probably a good half hour, maybe longer. Um, so in that time, this part was a little bit traumatic for me. Um, she's tugging on the cord, trying to get the placenta to come out. Ugh. And it was like 20, I feel like it was about 20 minutes. And she's like, oh, your placenta is not coming out. I'm going to have to reach up. Oh, reach inside no. and, and pull it out and I remember thinking like I've heard of some placentas being in for several hours yeah <laughs> but maybe it was because she could tell by the bleeding or something maybe she's like we need to get it out right away I'm not exactly sure but I had not had an epidural with this pregnancy so they gave me something in my IV to help with pain I got a little dizzy and you know she reached up there and pulled well, I think she had to reach up twice. 
And my sister has told people that, you know, I, I was a champ. I hardly made it noise. And she's like, but when, she, you know, when they reached in to pull that placenta out, I remember I was roaring. Gosh. It hurt. Did they get, not give you any um, Pitocin or anything? Because it seems they, like that's usually they, what they do. They had given me, actually, they had given me Pitocin when I got to the hospital because my oh. contractions were, had been so far apart. Okay. So, and I don't know if they had upped it to try, you know, get the placenta out. I don't remember any of that. Mm-hmm. It helped to have have the baby on my chest at that point, um, yeah. just to I don't know, concentrate on you know, <laughs> trying not to drop the baby when I'm riding in pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was that was the labor. Um, it was it was it was long, hard. Dealt with a little bit of um, incontinence after that, like when I got up. When they told me to get up and go to the bathroom, I couldn't. Went back in bed. At some point, I got I had to get out of bed to transfer or something, and then that's when it just gushed out of me. So I knew incontinence. I don't know if I had, you know, a bit of damage to my pelvic floor or what. But okay. after a while, I learned. Okay, I got to hold when I stand up, and that helped. So what about um, breastfeeding? Were you able to do that? Yes. He, he lashed right away. Um, that's one thing. Again, hindsight. Um, he lashed right away. Well, my sister got on FaceTime with my parents, and she was trying to show the baby or something, and I was just a little bit uncomfortable, <laughs> you know, breastfeeding and my dad seeing. And so I took him off. Um so that was the only time he latched, and I think it was only the one time, because then after that, my sister, my husband brought my, went to go bring my sister to the house, um, so that she could get some rest before driving home. She was two hours away, but, so yeah, he, he latched that one time, and then, um, my sister and husband left. And my husband said something that I think caught the nurse's attention before he left. And he was holding Leo, my, my son. And he said something like, oh, his, you know, his nostrils are flaring. You know, just making an observation. Well, then it was just me and Leo in the room and the nurse said, I need to check him. So she, and I was trying to nurse him again at that point, And he wouldn't watch. He just wanted to sleep. And the nurse took him. And I remember looking and watching. And he was very, um, what do you call it, very limp. Like he wasn't like the newborn just, you know, moving his arms and legs. He was limp. And then I believe his oxygen was at 80 um, when she checked him. And so she's like, we got to take him. I'm gonna, or, yeah, bring a NICU nurse in, see what she thinks. And, and yeah, it wasn't long after then that they took him. So I, he was born around just after 7. And he was taken to the NICU at 11. And a lot of that time is a blur to me because I was so tired. I think I fell asleep. Um, I think friends tried to visit at one point, and I hadn't gotten around to telling them off. He was just taken to the NICU. We can't see him. Um, and my husband got back. I don't know what time he got back. 
I remember waking up and calling for the nurse to give me pain meds. I was in a lot of pain. And I think it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon before we could go see him again. Hmm. Um, so then I was wheeled over there. And and that, that was a whole journey. Um, I mean, they tested him. He never tested positive for any group B strep infection. He never, I don't think he ever tested positive for pneumonia. They were thinking it was pneumonia because I guess they had done an x-ray on his lungs. And they, they said it was a little bit, there's a little bit of fuzzy spot. Um, and he was on, given oxygen and antibiotics right away. And so by, I would say, day two, he was, he was good. But he had to stay in there for a week um, just to finish out the antibiotic um, course. So that, that was hard, um, postpartum, mm -hmm. just not being, it was, it, it was just a blur. Like I had him a couple hours later, he was whisked away and, and, um, I mean, at one point I was feeling like this one nurse was only wanting me to go in there every, you know, 45 minutes or every two hours or something. So I felt like they, were, they weren't letting me see my baby only like I could go in there at certain times hmm. so it, it was hard um yeah and I That's don't know exactly did they what say why like why they only wanted you to go in at certain times or was it like the hospital because it seems like with you know a, a new baby you would want the mom in there like as much as possible you know like that doesn't make sense to me yeah I, I'm not exactly sure I don't know if they were just trying to get a schedule down and you know be able to do their their job i i'm not sure Weird. um i kind of had a meltdown you know probably the third day postpartum where your hormones are crazy and crying and and this nurse did come and she did try to you know communicate and say um you know try to work things out she's like no i'm not trying to keep you from your baby i'm trying to help so some of it could have just been my hormones hmm. so who knows? Yeah. So yeah, when, I don't know. When were you able to go home then after all that ordeal? Um, it was a week. We were there for a week. Um, and it, I I did pump. Mostly, I did try to nurse him in the in the NICU. It was a little stressful because the nurses were right there and they're trying to help you. You have like several different nurses every time trying to give you pointers on how to how to breastfeed and mm -hmm. and whatnot. So I think by the end I was like, okay, just give him the give him the bottle. So I remember going home. You know, he he screamed when I tried to breastfeed him. He wanted the bottle. I remember feeling so discouraged and just told my husband, just give him the bottle. But but he did. He did end up breastfeeding. He was really really good. Mm -hmm. Um. Never so how had did you end issues. up getting him to nurse if he, if he was acting like that at first? Like, did you just keep persisting and offering the breast, or how did it end up playing out? I, I think that's what it was. I just kept uh, offering the breast. We might have only given him a bottle, like, once that I can recall after we got home. Um, and I may have had to use the nipple shield because um, I think that helped. So I, I used that in the beginning. But yeah, I, I think some of it we just persisted and, and he nursed. 
Mm, that's amazing. <sighs> so did you have any issues postpartum, like mentally, like after, you know, coming home and adjusting and, you know, after being, you know, married with your husband and having that freedom all those years to travel and do what you want? Like, how is that then having a baby? Um, it was an adjustment. Um, so I think, and this might be, I don't know, maybe vain on my part. The hardest part for me was not necessarily like mentally. It was the changes in my body. Mm. Um, I think some of it was because I was comparing with other people. You know, parent yeah. even with yeah. my with my with my sister. You know, she's had five kids, hardly a stretch mark, and then here I have my first, and you know, my my belly is a roadmap. <laughs> mm-hmm. So some yeah. some of it, some of that was probably just vain. You know, getting used to my my new body. Um, as far as like my husband and I, I don't think like the realization that we weren't as free didn't I don't think it really hit us until maybe our second game but mm-hmm. um, I think looking back now I believe I um, dealt with I don't know if you would call it depression or if it's more just postpartum rage like I didn't understand at the time I remember him trying to or cluster feeding so he was probably going mm-hmm. through a growth spurt I don't think I understood that and I was getting so frustrated with him and he was probably only, you know, maybe, maybe six weeks old, four or six weeks old. And I remember getting so mad at him and just wanting to throw him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I only remember that one time in particular, but. Yeah, no, it's a real thing. It happens. <laughs> those, <laughs> those feelings and those thoughts come sometimes. Yeah. And with that pregnancy or with that um, recovery, I did bleed for like a full six seven weeks. Um, and I was still sore. I think some of it, I was pushing too long mm-hmm. and I was still, yeah, I was still sore hobbling. I remember a friend coming to visit probably around five, six weeks postpartum. And I, she was, I was comfortable enough with her that I put a rice pack in the microwave and I was sitting on it. I said, I'm mm-hmm. feeling sore. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you were cut <laughs> too. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So, did you have any tearing on top of the episiotomy, or did you just have the the episiotomy? I think it was just the episiotomy. I don't remember them saying anything else. Yeah. And I did um, bleed quite a bit with that one. I remember I mentioned something about, you know, I was walking to and from the NICU after and saying something like, I feel woozy or something. And so they did give me a couple doses of a strong iron pill. Um so yeah, I think I had lost a bit of blood. Yeah. So yeah, that was rough, rough postpartum as far as physical. Yeah. And I think no matter what, the first one is always pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. Because your body's never done that before. So it's kind of like, oh, this is new. <laughs> like you got hit by a Mack truck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, For sure. Not always, but you know, it's, it's more common than not, I think. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah. So then how long after your first birth did you get pregnant with your second child? Um, we were about 
six months, seven months postpartum. Um, we were we were surprised because, um, well, at the same time, not because I, I've heard people say that you know, you deal with infertility, then you get pregnant, well, then your body somehow has adjusted and then it's no problem. But yeah, for about six, <laughs> so six or seven months postpartum, again, we were camping. It was Labor Day weekend this time. And driving home, I got a head rush or something. I was like, this is, I only have gotten head rushes or something when I'm pregnant. And so I got home Monday, but I didn't take a test until, well, I took a test on a Thursday night and it was negative but something in me told me like you have one more pregnancy test why don't you take it so I took it around I think it was 10 on Friday morning and sure enough there was a faint second line and I believe this pregnancy I didn't necessarily feel pregnant I remember even testing um maybe around eight or nine weeks again because I was like I don't know if I'm pregnant I don't mm-hmm. feel pregnant um I think I was still tired, or maybe the tiredness hit me after, maybe around 10 or 12 weeks. Um, but yeah, that was a surprise. Our family was a little bit shocked. <laughs> but, and this one took a little bit for me to be excited about, um, just because our, our baby was still really, really young. Mm-hmm. But I think once once I heard the heartbeat or something like that, then I was, I was, I got excited. Hmm. So did you choose to go with the midwives again or what did you choose this time? Yeah, I stayed with the midwives. Um, yeah, I stayed with them. This pregnancy, I ate better. Um, I didn't gain as much weight. Um, not as much swelling, which I had a lot of swelling after after I gave birth to my first, I remember walking down the hospital halls and just my feet feeling like jello. But so anyway, this second pregnancy, I ate a lot better. Um, obviously, I was home now, so we didn't go out to eat as much. We didn't, we weren't able to travel as much as we had when it was just my husband and I. Um, in this pregnancy, again, I switched to a different midwife around, I think, 28 weeks. I'm not exactly sure. Well, I found a midwife that I feel like was a better fit for me. Um, I'm more a quiet personality in this midwife that I um, went to. She's a 70-year-old woman, and she just told it as it was, and I needed mm-hmm. someone like that. Mm-hmm. Someone I feel I, I really trusted her. And maybe some of it is I had some trauma with, with my first that I was like, well, you know, Maybe some of it was like, oh, I want to try, you know, a new midwife too. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, I went with with her. Um, this this time around, I tried to walk more, which I did walk more. I was more on my feet. I did have an ultrasound. Well, with both pregnancies, I had the twenty week anatomy scan. But this one, when I went to the new midwife, I was measuring four weeks behind. She was like, I want to check and make sure. But everything was fine. Hmm. So when did you end up 
going into labor. Were you planning another home birth then with this midwife? Was she a home birth midwife? Yeah, she was a home birth midwife. This midwife, it was just her. Um, Okay. So so it wasn't a group of midwives. Um, Obviously, she had an assistant. Did that feel, Um, like, nerve-wracking, like, choosing home birth again after having a a home birth transfer or did that not really bother you at all? I was, I think I was nervous, but the, the things I feared were more that I was going to bleed a lot and that, um, the placenta wasn't going to come out right away. Yeah. And, Which um, is valid because that's I, what happened last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was going into my second labor, very upbeat, positive because, um, I'd heard stories. Yeah, your second one comes a lot faster. So my mm-hmm. first one, um, start finish was about forty-one hours. So yeah, I was going into this one very positive, upbeat. Um, this was in May of twenty twenty. So um, because of COVID restrictions and my midwife, my midwife didn't want extra people there, so my sister wasn't there. Um, so I'm trying to think. I was forty. 40 weeks in three days, I think, when I started getting contractions. And this started out a little bit slower. It didn't start out, like, really hard and intense right away like my first. Started out slower, labored through the night. Um, we had my, we dropped my son off at some point. And then the midwife came in the morning, and I think, she checked me and I was at a four or four or a five. And she, you know, she's like, yep, this baby's about to come. I don't want to leave. Um, second labors go fast. Um, so and she would have us, my husband and I go walk outside and every once in a while, I think she knew we needed to help get gravity to help. Um, I think, I don't know the timeline on all of this. I didn't write it down, but I believe around nine or 10, I was about seven centimeters. And then I think I got to a nine. I would think about one o'clock or so. But for some reason, again, the same thing, I had a lip and I could not get work past it. She had me go on my side, labor on my side. Um, she even tried to pull the lip out of the way and have me push. Couldn't do that. I think I was starting to, again, have fears and worries about the midwives being there for so long. Um, and even fears that I wasn't even going to be able to, you know, have the baby. Hmm. Um, well, I'm trying to think there's anything else this this time my water started leaking at some point it didn't break like my first um and i completely trusted this midwife she's like the heart his heart rate is good you're good she was ready for me to just you know rest and relax and go to sleep and um yeah she was fine but i was getting nervous of them being there for so long they got there about seven in the morning and it was getting to be you now seven at night and I was still laboring and 
not really making any progress at a nine. Um, I did throw up with this one, this pregnancy, and that was probably before noon. So again, I was thinking, okay, transition. Um, but yeah, I just, maybe some of it is I couldn't relax. And the midwife, you know, she's older. So anyway, around 8 p.m., we decide, I decided, okay, we're going to the hospital. Again, we didn't have our hospital bags packed. <laughs> Had to pack and go. Um, and I think my midwife was pretty upset. She she couldn't go into the hospital at that time because of COVID. Oh, yeah. So she just, she just had to drop me off at the doors and went in, got checked in. And they they started Pitocin right away because I think my, my contractions were, again, spacing out again. So this time I went in the tub right when I got there. It felt really good. And I don't know why I didn't stay in there, but I got out at some point and the Pitocin just, I was roll, rolling around on the bed. I couldn't handle them, handle the, the contractions. So around midnight, got an epidural. Um, and yeah, I think it was like 4.30 I started feeling pushy um, and getting shakes called the nurse in and um, she's like, yep, you're ready to go. I think by the time the doctor got in there, he was pretty much, he was almost out. She was, she got there and he was born pretty much right away. Um, he came out crying. We knew he was a boy. We had um, found out with this one. And um, I think the placenta came out right away. That was a big, big relief, and I barely oh, tore. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, one thing with both of them that I don't know if it has anything to do with my lip is um, they, their heads, both midwives and even the doctor, he's like, yeah, their he my, their head is in there like kinked, like it's sideways. Mm. So I don't know if they somehow get in there in a weird position. And then my uterus just ends up getting so tired that it can't, like, push that baby out of that pink neck position. I don't know if that's hmm. why I, I tend to get stuck at a nine. Interesting. I mean, it could be when the baby isn't aligned right. That makes, you know, makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, I think if there's anything else. Yeah, he was like two pushes and he was out with, that, with my second. Hmm. Um, and again, funny thing is, went to the same hospital for both of my boys. It was the same doctor that delivered them. So when she had walked in the room with my second, I was like, do you remember me? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yes, I do. She's like, I don't even get to my own patient's um, birth sometimes. Like, this is odd that, you know, you're not even my patient. And I've delivered both your boys. That's funny. So, so how was Again, that immediate he, postpartum? Obviously, you said the placenta came right away. And you had um, uh, minimal tearing. Um, did your baby latch right away? And was everything okay with the baby this time? Yes. Um, he latched right away. Um, they were 
concerned a little bit about jaundice. Um, but, but that was fine. Um, it was almost as soon as we got home then that he really, you know, got his meconium out. So maybe some of it was just he couldn't relax. I wasn't relaxed. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, that postpartum was great. I think I bled for a total of two weeks. Um, I was up and doing, um, mentally I was great. I may have had, again, like some moments of postpartum rage, which that is a lot of times connected with lack of sleep. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, I had a 16 month old and a newborn. Mm-hmm. So that, that was an adjustment, but, but yeah, I think postpartum was, was pretty good. Did you do anything differently to, like, to, you think, contribute to that less lesser time of bleeding? Or, I mean, um, do you... I was taking, um, I can't think of it, uh, it's a tincture. Oh. Kind of like 5W, but the other one. Okay, I don't... I'm not sure. <laughs> I can't think of it right now. I was I was taking taking that tincture of something every day, and it's supposed to help with with recovery. And I started taking that toward the end. Mm. It's slipping my mind. I cannot think. Not think what it is. What it's called. Maybe it'll come to me later. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I believe that helped with with um, recovery. Yeah. And so we live in a fifth wheel trailer. We have been for probably about almost four years now. So um, that, that as far as, I don't know if you'd consider it postpartum, but when my second was around six, seven months old, it was winter. And they were sick a lot that winter. Um, well, I think all of us were. And there's just the anxiety of COVID. But yeah, I don't know if that's like part of postpartum, the anxiety. Oh yeah, that, yeah, I do get anxiety because that's why I'm kind of backtracking a little bit. I was taking the B vitamins before I got pregnant with my first. Mm-hmm. I was starting to get anxiety around six months postpartum with my first, so I started taking the B vitamin again. And I don't know if that's what has helped me get pregnant because then I did get pregnant again. Oh, that's interesting. And then, so then going into my third pregnancy I was about 18 my second was about 18 19 months I was starting to have a little bit of anxiety again and so I was like okay and I was getting ready you know wanting to have another one um and so I was like well it seems like this has helped me get pregnant so I started taking the B vitamin again um and that was probably November of 2021 Hmm. And so then, sure enough, two months, two months later, I was pregnant then with my third. So I can go into my third real quick. Mm -hmm. So this is the one I feel like I learned a lot and did a lot and did a lot of work because my first two labors were so long, 41 hours and then 33 Mm -hmm. total. Um, 
So, I was going to have the same midwife. I called her, said, hey, I'm pregnant. You want to be my midwife? Well, she was moving to Texas, so again, I had to find a different midwife. <laughs> mm-hmm. This time, I actually, this time I actually interviewed several different ones. And because I trusted that, that midwife, I did go with someone she recommended. Um, so I heard the heartbeat and got excited. Top ramen. I think that was a craving for um, all three pregnancies in the first trimester. Only thing that felt like it could stomach. Um, one thing with pregnancies, I've always had high leukocytes which I think that can be a sign of uh, a UTI. Mm-hmm. Um, so this time I took D-Manos and that helped. Um, and then also I was pregnant in the middle of summer, so this, this might be TMI, but I was changing my underwear every day because I was just getting so sweaty. So I don't know if just the hygiene and changing every day helps with, you know, not getting that high leukocytes reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that was just something different that finally I had a test that, you know, I didn't have the high leukocytes. Um, this pregnancy, I was busy. I did not allow myself to recline because I wanted the baby and be in a good position. Um, I definitely experienced more Braxton Hicks. Um, I think part of that was because I drink a lot of red raspberry leaf tea at the end, near the end of my pregnant, the second half. Um, I was taking about a thousand milligrams of vitamin C a day. I did some of the other things I did. I went to the chiropractor regularly. Um, I did go see a pelvic floor therapist. Um, and then I also went to a counselor, one that dealt with pregnancy. And I was like, I just need to talk through my other two if there's any, you know, hang-ups emotionally, you know, guilt or whatnot. And then the other thing that I tried that I think significantly changed my third from my first two was board seed oil capsules. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, I think they're about 10 times more potent than evening primrose oil is what I had read. Mm-hmm. So at 37 weeks, I was taking one a day. At 38 weeks. I was taking two a day, and then 39 weeks, I was taking three a day. And it's supposed to help with, you know, your cervix opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this my last pregnancy was the first time I've ever heard of, of that. Um, I had a girl, she was actually, actually two of the girls that I've had on the podcast, um, Jana and Becky, they were both telling me that they noticed, or I, no, maybe Jana tried it the first time with her last pregnancy, but Becky was telling me that she noticed a significant difference in her labors, um, like having taken the borage seed oil. And Mm -hmm. I had kind of looked into it, but I was like, eh, I don't think I need it. And then I ended up kind of having a longer labor and I'm like, I think I'm going to try that next time. (laughs) So I'm curious to find out if it worked for you or not. (laughs) Yeah. My sister, that's what she had. Um, so she had a long first labor and then that's what she had taken. Okay. And for some reason she might've told me about it, but I, I had a different oil. So I thought, you know, yeah, I have, I have it, but for some reason it just didn't compute in my brain, so I didn't take it with my second. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I took it with my with my third, and 
yeah. <laughs> Things went a lot faster. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so this baby is very active in my womb, rolling around like crazy. Um, around 40 weeks. My 40-week appointment was on a Wednesday. I remember his heart rate was bouncing around, but it was still within normal. Um, Saturday... Um, before he was born, um, I was I took the boys to a pumpkin farm um, so my husband could stay home. He was preaching the next day. So I took the boys. It was kind of neat to have that time with them before the baby came. So I had the boys for a couple hours at this pumpkin farm. Well, then the next day, Sunday, well, the boys were sick, too, and slightly sick. So, I, you know, I wanted to get them get them out of the house in the fresh air and it was something outdoors and then I kept them home Sunday for church so my husband left um, and I had been experiencing um, slight contractions I feel like for several weeks with this pregnancy you know I'd have times where I was like okay I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm in labor and I wasn't but Sunday night something changed Something changed in the, I was having discharge, and something changed in the discharge. I told my husband that before he left the church. So I was home with the boys by myself. I was doing cleaning. I think I was having slight contractions. I wasn't timing them. Um, so, and then my husband came home, and I was just tired. So he took the boys. So he left about 2.30. Took the boys for a couple hours. Um, so was, again, kind of neat. He got some time with the boys before the baby came um again I was home cleaning I was noticing when I was going to the bathroom and I would have a contraction it was starting to get a little painful but again I wasn't I wasn't timing them so I, I was like yeah I think I'm in early labor and my husband got home about 4 30 with the boys and I was, you know what I should probably start timing these um and they were like two to three minutes apart every um, and lasting for about 30 seconds at the most. And I was having to blow through them. That's one thing. I don't think I managed my contractions very well with my first two. And something, something I had heard or watched or read, the blowing through it helped. Instead mm -hmm. of breathing through it, just blow. Like blow the contraction away. And that, that helped me. And because of the lift that I had with the other two, I decided I was going to labor on my side in early labor, so I wasn't having to do it in late labor when I was just when it hurt really bad. Hmm. So that first, so that first half hour after my husband got home, I laid on my left side and blow, blew through the contractions. And then I switched over, laid on my right side, blew through the contractions, um, and then I had to get up and do do stuff. I don't know exactly what. Um, I do remember one of the contractions that helped to just kind of dance around on the floor and, like, hold my belly up. <laughs> like, this feels good. Just dance mm -hmm. around on the floor. Um, but yeah, then fairly quickly I was starting to um, uh, cry. Like, you know what, I probably should call my friend to come pick up the boys. That was about 5.30 I called her. So she got the boys just after 6. Um, and then I, when she came, 
she came in to say hi real quick and she massaged my back a little bit. I was crying and contraction came and, um, and my water, my water broke when she was there. I'm like, I think my water just broke. Felt really good having her massage my back and then she left with the boys. And so I called the midwife and she asked me, she's like, do you feel any pressure? I said, no, I don't feel any pressure. But she was only seven minutes away. So I knew she could just come um, and even just check me. And if I was, you know, only so many centimeters or whatever, she could just go back home. I didn't feel, you know, I guess that, that guilt that would come mm-hmm. if I called the, labor, the midwife too early. So she checked, or she, she checked his heart rate right, right away. Um, I think she sensed something and it was low. It's like 107 when, when she checked me and I was in the middle of a contraction when she came and she's like, okay, I want you to get up, get on the bed. I want it. She wanted to check me. Got up on the bed. She checked me and she's like, you're five centimeters. And she knew my history. She knew how long my labors would go. Um, or had gone. So she, she started right away talking about transferring to the hospital because baby's heart rate was low. Um, but she did give me IV fluids. She's like, okay, maybe that'll help get the baby's heart rate up. So she got fluids going. She told me to go on my hands and my knees with my, my button air. And then, um, so my head resting down on my bed button air and um, to try to get the baby's heart rate up. I think she had me twist my legs out too because I think Mm -hmm. that's supposed to help with the opening of the lower cervix. Yep. Yep. Opens your Um, pelvis up. Yeah. And so, and then she was monitoring his heart rate the whole time and she kept talking to the transfer and kind kind of freaked me out and then Contractions were so close, getting so close together and intense, and um, she ended up putting an oxygen mask on me, hoping that would help raise his heart rate up. Um, I think the lowest she saw was 97. So normal for a newborn or baby in utero is like 120 to 160. Um, But I remember thinking, he was so active in the womb, what if it's just his cord is around his neck? Mm. So in some ways I wasn't worried, but at the same time, you know, I'm praying, God, please, you know, make, let my baby be okay. Um, I remember doing core slips at that point. That really helped. And I remember um, more focusing on surrendering to the contractions instead of tensing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe that helped. Um and she, and then at one point she kept talking of the hospital, and, and at one point I knew I was not going anywhere. I I was not moving, um, and I might have had some fetal ejection reflex. I remember him moving just a little bit in my womb, and then it was like I was pushing. Um, mm-hmm. It was very intense, a lot more intense than my first two. Um, felt that ring of fire. I remember asking my husband if he watched, and he said no he was standing by me I think I was squeezing his hand and even the midwife kind of told me later and chuckled that she's like yeah he just kind of glanced down and looked away 
mm-hmm. you must not have wanted to see him come out. But he did have um, the cord wrapped pretty tightly around his neck. And I remember even stopping at one point, pushing, and, like, not making any noise, waiting to see if the, the midwife would tell me, stop pushing, I need to take the cord out. Because I had seen that done with my sister's birth, where they tell you, stop pushing. And they take the cord off the neck, and then they tell you to push. Mm. So, but she never told me to do that. So he came out with the cord, or she said it was wrapped around his neck a few times, and then it was also wrapped around his body and crisscrossed oh, around wow. his chest. <laughs> so he was just tangled, tangled up. up in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, I got my, my home birth. It was pretty exciting. Placenta <laughs> um, came right away, had very minimal bleeding, didn't really even tear. Um, so yeah, I didn't have any stitches or anything with that one. The only concern more was the midwife had was his heart rate. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I give credit to, I think, that boar's seed oil and then also the red raspberry leaf tea. I was like, I want my uterus strong. Yeah. <laughs> to push this baby out. Mm-hmm. And the chiropractic, too. You know, you said you did yeah. that to mm-hmm. make sure baby was in good position and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny, you know, because there's some women that are like, oh, you don't have to do any of that stuff because your body knows what to do and, you know, that's all intervention, you know, like the hardcore, like, <laughs> you know, I guess home birthers that are like, you know, just, just don't do anything, just trust your body. But then it's like, but, like, you know, you hear stories like yours where obviously, like, I, I don't know. I just believe it has to make a difference. Like, yes, like our bodies were created to labor and they know how to give birth and like, but I don't think it hurts to like, you know, support your body in that, you know, process and like do things to be proactive. And, you know, I mean, gosh, if there's something that can make you have a better labor, I mean, why not try it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. If it's not like meddling with, you know, the process, if it's just going to support your body in that versus, you know, trying to force it to do something that it's not supposed to. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a yeah. difference in, in you know, choosing those things for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I think uh, I may have had yeah. that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I think I may have had that attitude with my first that, you know, all your body's designed to give birth. Like, so even though I was with a midwife and was somewhat trying, I think I still had kind of that mentality that well your body's designed to do this so you know it's gonna do it (laughs) yeah I mean and it will you know but like I said I think there is a difference between quote intervention and supporting and I think there's nothing wrong with you know doing the things to help support your body for what it's about to do (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think that can be really helpful for sure Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so, yeah, I would say active labor for this one was, like, three and a half hours. So he was born, wow. like, maybe an hour, a little over an hour after the midwife got there. So it was night and day difference from my first two. Wow, yeah, so. that's amazing. Crazy. <laughs> Love it. So you said that your your baby's pretty little still right now? He's six months old yeah six months okay and how are you doing now still kind of in that fresh fresher than you know postpartum season um I'm doing 
good. Like I, I, I now realize like at six, seven months, that's when I feel like, okay, I've got my feet under me. Um, the first five, six weeks of his life, um, we had sickness after sickness after sickness. Mm. Um, he was sick five or six times in that first two months too. He even got a tummy bug, which I think threw off his gut for, it's still not, not the same, but so it was hard in that aspect, you know, going into winter and we're just all sick. We're all confined in this small fifth wheel trailer. Yeah. It, it was, it was rough, but yeah, starting to feel like my feet are, you know, up and moving and more myself now. Um, I did again, I think I had some postpartum rage. I remember my husband stayed home for a week. Um, and then he went to work on a Monday morning and my sister, so he left about seven and my sister, one of my sisters was coming to town and she got there probably around 1 PM. In those few hours, I was just raging at my oldest. Mm. And when she came, I was like, I'm glad you're here. I'm already like, you know, yanking my older son around raging. Ah. (laughs) Yeah. I can relate to that for sure. <laughs> it's just like so yeah. not fair because like you're, you know, it's hormonal and it's like your yeah. poor kids, they don't know. <laughs> and it's just like, you're flipping out and you're like, and then it's like when you come back down from that, you know, it's like, you feel so guilty and just like, mm-hmm. I'm always like, I'm so sorry. Like <laughs> poor kids. I know. Oh, and they don't understand. I just always try to be, like, really apologetic after, you know, yeah, those, yeah. that type of thing has happened to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. Oh, well, I'm glad that you got your home birth, and I think it's amazing mm-hmm. that you, even, dis- like, despite transferring twice, that you still were like, nope, this is what I want to do. I think that's pretty incredible because... I think if that had been me, I might have been like, okay, I give up. I'm going to the hospital. (laughs) So I love that you, you know, you had the two transfer, hospital transfer births. And then this time you did all that work to support your body to be able to do it. And, um, and then like accomplish, you know, accomplish what you set out to do. And, you know, I think that's just the proof that, you know, we can do things to help support the process and have a, a positive outcome. So I'm glad that you got that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Cool. And um, one thing, I guess, as far as, um, I guess, the postpartum part, and I had a friend tell me about this, the GABA supplement, that okay. really helps um, as far as postpartum rage. A lot of times if I know, like, you know, in the wintertime, I'm not getting the sleep I, I need. So I will take a GABA supplement. And even my counselor said, take it every day. <laughs> mm. um, Doesn't that help with anxiety help. as well? Or it seems like I've seen it recommended for anxiety. I guess I've not taken it for anxiety, but I've just more taken it for, you know, when I know I've lost sleep and I'm going to be very reactive mm-hmm. with my boys. And okay. yeah, I, I notice a difference. It just blows, blows the something down in your brain. So you don't react. <laughs> That's Sounds another like thing. I need that. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a good supplement. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, thanks for recommending that. Um, do you have any other resources that you used um, to prepare for any of your births? You mentioned, you know, the borage seed oil. Um, you did, you know, the chiropractic, the GABA supplement. Did you have anything else or like even learning tools or anything like that? Um, as far as what I took, the red raspberry leaf tea, I was drinking a ton toward the end mm-hmm. to support the uterus. Um, I, your podcast, actually, I listen to all the time. Um, and then I would watch YouTube videos of birth, um, and just all the time throughout this pregnancy. Like that was the only thing I was doing, listening to, trying to, trying to learn. Um, I didn't, I don't think I necessarily read anything, but it was more just the podcast and watching a few videos that, um, that really helped. And then, then yeah, all the, all the other things, chiropractic public floor therapy, even counselor. Mm-hmm. I, I threw everything at this one. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. determined. Yeah. Yeah. Not in, like I said, not like that everybody needs all those things, but like, you know, especially when you've experienced a certain thing and it was reoccurring, like, you know, to, to sometimes I think like, you know, we, I think there's like, has to be a happy medium, you know, there's, you know, some people do all the things and then some people do none of the things, but like, I think it's, you know, good to, you know, have a healthy balance of doing some of the things, you know, like to prepare, you know, and yeah, I think, I think that's, that's good. So, um, my last question is, um, if you had, um, some advice that you would want to tell a first time mom to going into her first birth, what's something that you feel like you really would like her to know? Hmm. I guess I didn't think about this one before. I would say don't stress. Um, if you're doing a home birth, don't worry about anyone else. <laughs> um, yeah, take it one, one contraction at a time. Um, I guess, yeah, don't, don't beat yourself up if, if it's different than you pictured. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's important. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, if I could tell my, myself, you know. Yeah, I would say don't worry about the midwives. Don't don't worry about them. Um, it's their job. <laughs> yeah, and actually that was something I wanted to ask you um, because you had mentioned it with your two previous births, how you had that, like, worry in the back of your mind that they were, like, there too long or t- you were taking too much of their time. Like, was that something that you addressed with your midwife then? Like, you know, telling her, like, oh, this is one of my hang-ups. Like, or did you... Like, was that something that you talked with her about, or did you not? I, I did tell her, so she she knew, and I said, I think I worried. Um, and again, that's why it was so reassuring to me, knowing she was seven minutes down the road. Uh-huh. That, you know, if, if things were, you know, still early on, she could leave, and, you know, she wasn't that far away. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, she, she knew that, and... Um, Did she say anything to, like, reassure you in that, too? Like, or, like, how did she respond to that worry that you had? 
I, I think um, she might have just said, oh, don't worry about it. And then, yeah, she did mention, like I said, that she was not very far away. So it's it's not like she would have to stay stay here the whole time. I think that's how she, you know, reassured me that, you know, if it takes long she, and she can just go, go back home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that not that far away. So Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's you know, that's what they they um know what they're getting into when they sign up to be a midwife, you know. That yeah. sometimes birth can be a marathon and yeah, that's something that they are for sure used to. But I yeah. totally understand us as women or moms or whatever, like being in that state feeling like Ah, taking up your time. So I get, I get yeah. both sides of it for sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, well, did you have anything else that you wanted to share? Um, I think, I think that's, that's it. I, I, I'm hoping whenever the next one is that, um, there's not so much drama. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm. I feel like each one had, had some sort of, drama attached to it mm-hmm. but yeah well it sounds yeah. like you kind of maybe had figured it out so <laughs> hopefully the <laughs> next time it's it's a similar experience yeah cool awesome well thank you for coming on and sharing your stories and all the resources you used and um you know what kind of i loved hearing like you know your your transformation from you know, the, the first two births and then, you know, learning to support your body to go on to have more of the birth that you, you desired and and wanted. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's really encouraging. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you were encouraged in some way through this story. As a reminder, please rate and review our podcast and you can connect with us on social media at birth journeys podcast for more information or to share your own story please visit birthjourneyspodcast.com and fill out the brief questionnaire see you next time